You're listening to Let's Stay Together, a podcast about the uh, series Fruits Basket by Natsuki Takaya. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kayla. And this is our second episode. So this time, uh, last time we talked about chapters one and two of Fruits Basket. And this time we're going to be talking about chapters three and four. I'm also going to start with a couple of like additional notes from last time. So the first thing that I want to talk about is just a little more information about the Chinese Zodiac. Last time we got the story of the how the Chinese Zodiac animals kind of came to be and how they came to be in order. And we also kind of heard a couple of different versions from different characters about where that story comes from. Uh, so I just did a little bit of extra reading in between this time and last time. And basically the Chinese Zodiac did start out as a timekeeping system, which is interesting. So basically, like, the way that Yuki described it in his rant was accurate, which I thought was funny, uh, <laughs> about how um, time was divided into this kind of cyclical 60-year cycle, and all the elements were added, and there were um, branches, but it was a bit complicated, so to make it a bit easier to remember, the animal names were added. Um, and this eventually became kind of a astrological um, system as well for four divination and, and the year you were born was said to determine your personality also as a fun fact i know most people know that stuff and they know their like kind of zodiac animal the year they were born um but also according to wikipedia there's more than just kind of the year and there are also signs for your assigned for your the month the day and hour that i guess that you were born as well kind of like how there are different signs for different plant the positions of different planets when you're born in the um western zodiac as well so i thought that was interesting i didn't know that until i looked it up um i also looked up the ornaments so in the very first scene uh toru comes across shigeri's house and he's setting out these um i guess like painted zodiac ornaments to dry um and so apparently the i tried to find a kind of a good source but i didn't find like a definitive source but i did find an interesting kind of article that someone had written about um, the zodiac ornaments. It's basically just like a decoration that people set up around the new year. So I thought that was cool too. I didn't really, I mean, it's it all makes sense, but I didn't really know any of those things or either of those things before I, I looked into it. Um, also, we talked last time about how the animals of the zodiac, or the, sorry, the Soma family is possessed by the vengeful spirits of the zodiac. Um, and I think we we didn't touch on it in our recording, but Kayla, I know you asked me mm. before if that's if that specific translation if that's translated specifically from the Japanese version of the manga. So I did look it up, and the word that they used to describe the possession is mononoke. So you might have heard that <laughs> word before. I think a lot of people have. Um, but I also did a little bit of research about mononoke. So. Uh, the what it says in the text in Japanese is that the members of the Soma family are possessed by uh, the Mononoke of the twelve spirits, the twelve animals of the zodiac. Um, and it's interesting that this the concept of Mononoke has been around for a long time since like the Heian period. Um, and back then, Mononoke were thought to be kind of these invisible spirits who caused illness and death by possessing people. Like there's something that you couldn't see. But then, of course, you could, if they possessed you, then you could sense them and and feel them. And they were thought to be the spirits of dead, kind of vengeful dead. And also people who were alive, who were fueled by anger and jealousy. So, like, for example, if you were jealous, your spirit could then leave your body and possess somebody else. 
um, which is interesting. Um, they were also sometimes thought to create natural disasters and epidemics. The thing that I thought was interesting about this was that Mononoke are thought to, they were thought to create illness in people who they possessed. So I think that's kind of an interesting link to Fruits Basket. Like maybe they are, so they're possessed by these vengeful spirits. Of course, this is a more modern take on that. But I do think that it's interesting. Maybe it says something about the character of the curse that it's almost like, I don't know. The animal transformation sickness. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Well, you know, that's what the vet is for, for the hospital, right? Um, It is no ordinary curse. It's no ordinary curse. That is true. (laughs) Um, So I found an interesting article. I think I might put it. So the source for that is I just looked it up on Wikipedia, but also there's this book (laughs) that I found called um, The Ashgate Encyclopedia of Literary and Cinematic Monsters. And there's a whole, a short section about, like about Oni and Yokai and Mononoke, which was cool. And then there's also a really interesting article called from Japan Echo, which is like a translation, I think it's a translation company, but they have a blog or something um, called Understanding Mononoke Over the Ages. And it was like this really in-depth, if you're like interested in the, um, like not only the history, but the the meaning of the word Mononoke itself, it had a really interesting like description of the kanji and the and the meaning of the word and how it developed as well. So I thought that was really cool. So I will, I'll put that in the show notes. That in particular I thought was interesting. Those are just a couple of things I want to expand on from last time. So let's start with chapter three. So in the Tokyo Pop Edition that we we're reading, there are these author notes um, that were added. They're definitely removed in the Yen Press ones, but it's funny how I think you pointed out before when we were discussing this that Yukin Kyo is like super skinny. Mm-hmm. even though they're really intense, like they're both able to fight and they're into martial arts. Um, but in this note, in this chapter, Takaya talks about how she likes the like scrawny aesthetic. So it's funny how you pointed it out and there's like immediately mm-hmm. a comment right after that, which is funny. So yeah, I think that explains that. <laughs> I think that changes a little bit as the style changes over time. Yeah. But um, it's funny if someone drew them like super muscly like they should be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are also like kind of, they're teenage boys. So maybe even if they're strong, they're just like not fully grown yet. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I understand. But I also think it's just an aesthetic choice as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so in chapter three proper, we open in the kitchen um, and Yuki compliments Toro on how much she's cleaned up the kitchen, which is like looking spick and span now, as opposed to being full of garbage like before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, we have a rice cooker. And she's like, I unearthed it, which I think is great. <laughs> my favorite lines <laughs> it's me too every time i find something i'm like i unearthed it <laughs> uh i'm so happy about it i know especially in the um i mean it's hard to tell what, exactly what the tone is she looks really happy in the mm-hmm. drawing but in the anime it's like really adorable in the first one in her um so i guess we cut to like in a, a monologue where she's saying that she wants to do a good job in the housework you know she's grateful for the fact that she can live with shigure and yuki and kyo and so she wants to do a good job for them so they sit down and they have uh, I guess breakfast or lunch it's hard to tell what time of day it is exactly but Yuki says um <laughs> he tries her food and she says it's good and she's very relieved and he also says like it, she wanted to wait for Shigure and Kyo to come back but Yuki says it it's it would be a shame for it to go cold and he calls Kyo a stupid cat so <laughs> you know it's good they also Yuki mentions that he went to a secret base and Toru imagines the idea of a secret base and it's so good. It's like, <laughs> um, has all these like little like things and attachments. Um, and he offers to take her to the secret base sometime, which is great. Like how it's got like secret cannon and a secret <laughs> yeah. control room, but it also has a secret door and a secret chimney and a yes. secret toilet. Everything is secret. <laughs> a secret toilet. That's what makes it like a, it's a full secret living space for sure. <laughs> 
As they're sitting down and eating, Shigure and Kyo come back and Kyo announces his return loudly with a shut up and <laughs> slams the door open. Uh, Toru welcomes him home and Kyo yells that he's not hungry and goes upstairs immediately. Um, Shigure then sits and tells him that not to, Shigure tells him not to take it out on Toru and also yells at him to take his shoes off, which is like incredibly rude, of course. Um, Shigure also has his shoes on. I know he does. In the house. <laughs> he's kind of like hobbling around taking them off <laughs> after he's yelling at Kyo. Once he sits down and joins them at the table, Toru compliments him in his suit, and Yuki says he looks like a talk show host. Um, and I thought, that's kind of a funny thing to say, so I did look it up in the Japanese version, and he calls him a host, like a host. So, like, uh, he looks more like a, yeah, like instead of a, like a host club, or a host, like a host restaurant guy. <laughs> Which I think is more appropriate for Shigure. <laughs> yeah. Although talk show host is pretty good. I mean, they're all, anyway. <laughs> I just, yeah, totally. <laughs> He'd probably be a good talk show host because he's kind of a, I think he's, um, he's good at reading people. He'd probably be really annoying. He'd get, he'd get entertaining interviews. I think people. so. He'd be kind of like, <laughs> like Graham Norton or something, like really sassy and get just, and like, yeah, I don't know, for sure. I think that, <laughs> I think that would be funny. Um, Join us for a spinoff podcast where we watch Shigure's talk show. <laughs> <laughs> Shigure's talk show. Do you think that he would give things away like Ellen DeGeneres or like Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> so Shigure says that Kyo took the entrance exam for Toru and Yuki's school and that he he'll be going to the same school as them and Yuki is pissed off he's immediately <laughs> like get out <laughs> Shigure says the last time he took a high school entrance exam he didn't attend and he instead went to the mountains to train for four months you know sitting under waterfalls and fighting bears the typical things that you do when you do martial arts training in the woods <laughs> And, uh, Everyone just goes to fighting bears. I know. <laughs> what you do when you're training in the woods. What else would you be doing? So Shigure tells us that Yuki... I think they ask why he's um, why he was training in the mountains. And Shigure says that Kyo told him that he wants to beat Yuki in a fight. And that they've been rivals ever since they were little. So we start to get a little bit more exposition about why Yuki and Kyo fight all the time. And Toru wonders if it's because he holds a grudge about being tricked by the rat if the cat holds a grudge about being tricked by the cat like in the story um and then she also has this little side note where she's like i'm pretty sure kyo hates me which is a little sad so at school the next day kyo goes for the first time and all the kids like kind of ooh and ah and coo over him and they um and toru thinks that he's starting to get kind of scared also hana's curling toru's hair for some reason which i think is funny (laughs) she's just like playing with her hair also some There's some upperclassmen that come and visit their class and ask Yuki to introduce them to Kyo, but Kyo says that he and Kyo don't even talk, like they don't get along. He tries to distance himself from Kyo at school. They talk about Kyo's hair, um, and then Uo says, I think, that it's like Kyoko-san, Kyoko-san's hair. They don't don't say who Kyoko is uh, at this point. Hana says... There's a little note under the word bubble that says it's Toru's mom. Okay. I wrote that in my note. I made a little parenthesis that says Toru's mom, and then I was like, but I know that, so why did I write that note? <laughs> anyway, um, so Hana says that uh, she says, talks about her, what she senses from Kyo with her denpa. Um, she says that Kyo and Yuki's denpa are very similar. It's almost inhuman. Maybe she's picking up on the, this possession, but she doesn't know exactly what it means. Also, Tori has no poker face. No. She's like, ah, ha, 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 what do you mean about that? <laughs> Tori also comments, um, she has this, like, internal, she says this, has this internal thought, but she says Hanachan is, is very powerful. 
um, to sense things that nobody else can, but I have to admit, I never understand her wave report. So, um, but it's, it's interesting that her, her take on Hannah's Denpa is always so positive when we, I think we discussed last time that sort of socially seen as a negative, right? Mm -hmm. Kyo has had enough of everybody talking about him and, and staring and trying to get his attention. So he stands up to leave and a girl, um, grabs his arm. And then of course he reacts by pitting her to the floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the usual reaction again. So he jumps out the window of the second floor and everyone is shocked by this. And then he runs off, I guess, because of his, his cat, his possession, perhaps <laughs> gives him the ability to do this. He lands on his feet. He lands on his feet. He, he had enough time to write himself like cats do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <spying> around. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so outside Yuki catches up with Kyo and they, they chat. Kyo is like, why do you go to this school with all these girls? And Yuki says that he wants to be out of the Soma cage and he can't understand why Kyo is is obsessed with trying to fight him to get into that, back into the Soma family. Kyo says a rat would never understand that. Kyo announces that he'll defeat Yuki and become one of the Zodiac um, and then he won't be shunned any longer. So Toru happens to come and find them as well at that time, uh, about to fight, and she breaks up the fight by turning Kyo into a cat again. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, I was just wondering if I should add a count for like breaking up fights by hugging. We have a count for like damage to Shigure's house. <laughs> so I think I'm going to add that too. Um, so she says that, you know, they'll get in trouble for fight after she turns into a cat. She's like, uh, you know, you can't do that. Like people get in trouble for fighting and Kyo basically doesn't care. He wants to beat Yuki and he yells at Toru and he's like, stay out of my way. I can't even stand to look at you, which is also really intense. <laughs> um, and this causes Toru to freak out. This is the, her like maximum rage line, which is always funny too. It's like, it's his maximum rage. And then Yuki calls him an idiot for being such a jerk. Um, and he walks off too, leaving Kyo alone. Back inside the school, Toru is sitting on the floor. Um, she's crying and she's upset that, um, thinking about what, that she meant genuinely what she said about wanting to be a cat. And she feels bad. And she said she would, if there was a year of the cat fan club, she would join it. But yet, She's finally meeting the real cat, like the real thing, and he hates her. And she's lamenting over that. When her friends uh, show and Yuki show up, Toru stands up and like bonks her head on the fire hose box or whatever that that metal box that's on the wall behind her, in an attempt to make it look like she was crying because she hit her head. And of course, all her <laughs> friends immediately see through it. <laughs> it's like good plan. <laughs> so back at home, so we get a cutscene to the house. Kyo is skipping class and Shiguri is talking to him. He's upset that he's always getting mad and saying mean things to to Toru, but Shiguri tries to talk him into thinking of it as training. Um, he compares living with people, learning to live with people to his martial arts training. So when you're, I guess when you're training in, in martial arts, you're trying to develop power and self-control with refinement, you know, like the result of fighting bears in the mountains, for example. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like I did not fight bears yeah yes that's right <laughs> of course he didn't um, Shigari says mingling with people and hurting them and getting hurt by them is how you learn about yourself and others and that you know you'll never be able to take care of yourself anyone but yourself if you don't learn to be around other people he also says for the sake of the girl that will one day tell you she loves you don't run away keep training <laughs> Um, and Kyo is like, as if, like, like that's never going to happen. And he's like, well, I'd, I'd ask her if she was sane if someone told me that. 
Yuki returns home just in time to announce that Toru has gone to work and that he's going to pick her up. So we cut to Toru walking home from work. Um, oh, sorry, Kyo says he's going to pick her up. So Toru is walking in the woods, walking home from work. Um, she's kind of still debating about what happened um, at school and how she thinks that Kyo doesn't like her and what she should do about it. And she gets this kind of, kind of internal pep talk with her mom in her head where she's like what should I do and her mom is like be yourself you know <laughs> um so she starts she hears a noise and is startled and she thinks it's like a creeper pervert in the woods like they warned her about and so she hears the person getting closer and closer and she turns around and smacks her like hits whoever's behind her with her bag and of course it turns out to be Kyo and they both freak out internally and she's like how do I explain that I thought he was a pervert and Kyo is like, wow, she must really hate me. So they have this like really awkward um, apology exchange. Katora announces that she just hit him with her bag. Yeah, she did. <laughs> She's like, I just I hit you with my bag because I thought you were a pervert. He's like, uh. <laughs> She's like, but then it's just you. Um, yeah, in this exchange, Kyo asks for her to stop calling him Kyo-san, uh, just to call him Kyo-kun. And he's like, so she, so she calls him Kyo-kun. And then he's like, what and she's like i was just trying it out and he's like don't just try it out like he also yells at her again then he awkwardly apologizes again and she awkwardly oh yeah this is when he awkwardly apologizes and she explains that she thought awkwardly thought that he was a pervert and this this exchange continues where eventually she's like i i would never be mad at you how could i be i love you and i've always loved the cat from the zodiac i, I want to be born the year of the cat and then she's like i i mean i i want to be friends and already Again, like what Akio has this internal inner monologue of remembering what Shigure said. I thought this was interesting because I think it's kind of similar to the setup with Yuki remembering what Akito said in mm -hmm. the first chapter or the second chapter, where I think it's the second chapter, where um, Akito told Yuki that nobody would want to be close to him because of his curse. And then immediately Toru finds out and she still wants to be close to him. She also asks if she can be his friend. In this yeah. situation with Shigure, it's the same where he said, like, well, you know, someone might tell you that they love you one day. And Kyo's like, whatever. And then later that day, the same thing happens, right? Yeah, showing how Toru's starting to kind of break down their preconceived notions about themselves and mm -hmm. how they relate to other people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And he also says that being the cat isn't that great, you know, and then they proceed to walk home together. She thinks internally that... You know, he's more awkward than most people, but he's nice deep down and he's very sincere. At the end of the chapter, it's breakfast the next day. And Shigure teases them about walking home together. He's also like K-S-S-I-N-G, of course. <laughs> um, and it's kind of an awkward exchange. But then Toru feels good because they, she thinks they're becoming friends. And that's the end of chapter three. So uh, chapter four, Toru announces that it's autumn. So I think maybe some time has passed. The accident was in May, I think she says in the beginning. So mm -hmm. May, June, June, July, July, August, August, September. Yeah, so like maybe it's September or October now. And they've all changed into their long sleeve uniforms, which I feel like if it was September, you know, I guess depending on where this is theoretically supposed to be in Japan, it'd probably still be pretty warm. So I'm thinking a little a little bit of time has passed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, Toru announces that since it's autumn, they should they should play cards. And they play a game called Daihin Min. So we'll talk about this later in our discussion, but I'm going to mm -hmm. just continue with the summary. So, <laughs> Kyo uh, 
because I think there's something to say about it more. So yeah, uh, Kyo says that he doesn't want to play, but Uo convinces him by shit talking <laughs> uh, and, and like challenging him to play with them and that the loser will do all the cleaning. So of course he's super into it because he's super competitive. Um, Sorry, I just, I was looking at the page of the manga. His little box at the bottom says, for rules on how to play Die Hidden Men, visit tokyopop.com and click on Fruits Basket. <laughs> I bet you, if you can still find those rules. <laughs> I bet you can. I didn't, I didn't look, actually. <laughs> I looked for rules, but I just look, also looked at it on Wikipedia. I remember looking at that at the time. Yeah, I remember trying to learn how to play it uh, when we were, you know, high school losers. <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah. We were losers always. We were just also losers in high school. Yeah. <laughs> um, I specified. Yes. There's like... It's supposed to be similar to Precedence, and I don't understand either of these games. I, I read the rules again for Diane Min today, and I was like, okay, I kind of get it. It always looks complicated whenever they have it show up in the manga. Yes. There's sh- all these intense like changes happening. In the yeah. Game. Apparently there are a lot of extra rules. So there's mm-hmm. a rule, like Hana later says revolution, which is like a, it's like not a baseline rule, according to Wikipedia, at least. I don't know. So Yeah, like Kyo play something and it was like yelling at him and he's like it's in the rules <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i feel like it's kind of like really intense hearts like yeah. you're trying to except with you don't count hearts it's like you count whoever you're trying to get rid of all your cards which is essentially it could be considered a goal of hearts i guess but like that's how i'm choosing to think of it in my head <laughs> i'm sure that's wrong <laughs> super intense hearts <laughs> super super intense and like you there's ranking and stuff too which you don't mm-hmm. have you just get points anyway um so Hana's playing with Toru's hair again. So this is the second time in two chapters that she's playing with her hair, which I think is funny. <laughs> There's also a little note about people. There's a author note about people not understanding Hana's denpa. Um, <laughs> so hopefully we explained it well in the first episode. But if we didn't, just like leave a comment. And we can talk. I can do a little more research about that too. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I thought that was funny that we talked about that, and then it's also in the in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I also said like it's common in in manga as well. Like that was kind of the impression that I got when I looked it up last time. But then maybe not. Maybe it wasn't as much at this time. I don't know. I guess it comes up in some things because the author notes is something about it being in a video game. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, if you haven't read the like Tokyo Pop version, you haven't read all these notes. It's interesting to note that Natsuki Takaya loves video games. Like half of the notes yeah. are just like, I've been playing this like random game. And like half of them we probably never heard of. Like I've never <laughs> heard of most of them. I think they're mostly visual novels. Maybe. So I think that's the impression I got. But I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't, you might be right. But they're definitely not. It's not like they're widely available games. Sometimes they are, yeah. but most yeah, of the time a lot they are. There's a huge amount of visual novels that never get translated. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Meanwhile, in the hall, uh, some girl is confessing to Yuki and he turns her down. And she tries to hug him, but he physically stops her. He like grabs her head to stop her. And the girl says that Yuki is nice, but he keeps rejecting people. And she's like, it, I get, you know, like, I get it. Like, you, it wouldn't be right for you to have just a normal girlfriend because you're so special. And so back in class... Kyo loses and Yuki sees him from the hall kind of like interacting really naturally with the others and he looks a little bit like forlorn about it. I think this is the first appearance of uh, Kyo's random two dude friends. Oh yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we've talked about them before. Not in this show, but like you and I have. Yeah, they're there a lot. It's not a spoiler, but there's just two random dudes who are always kind of picking on Kyo and (laughs) hanging out with him in the classroom. (laughs) Yes, they are there. It's the same two dudes Mm-hmm. And they're there a couple of times for sure. <laughs> Yuki, um, so Toru, I think Yuki comes in after and, and they're talking about the game and Yuki and Toru invites Yuki to play and he's kind of like, eh. 
you know, much <laughs> like me when I get invited to a social event, he's like, maybe, maybe next time, you know. And uh, Kyo is busy cleaning the classroom because he lost and Toru offers to help him clean. But because he was the poor man, he won't, um, he won't clean. Yuki calls him the, the poor man, who's the person who lost Daihinmin, which, of course, <laughs> causes them to fight again. While they're fighting, Toru has this internal dialogue that she thinks that it would be wonderful if Kyo was able to beat Yuki to join the Zodiac, which of course is her like personal motivation mm-hmm. uh, for wanting for wanting the cat to be in the Zodiac. Um, but the fight ends pretty quickly with Yuki like kicking the shit out of Kyo. So I think so far we've seen him getting well. He's beaten up Kyo a bunch of times, but this time it's implied that it's worse. Like he didn't he didn't go easy on Kyo at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it's like implies that Yuki's usually hold it back a little bit mm-hmm. when he fights Kyo, and that Kyo knows that. Yeah, and he's just so, trying. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he knows that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he yeah, also... Both say kind of interesting things about both of them and how they regard each other there. Yeah, I wonder what that says about... So, like, if you think about it that way, it's almost like they're they're just doing this because they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, or something. It's like it's just they're destined to fight. Yeah, I think it's kind of... It's almost like a habit. Yeah. Like they, like, they don't know how to interact with each other in any other way. No. Um, it's certainly implied that's been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And also, Yuki ends the fight by saying, like, I'm getting really sick of looking at you. And he says it in, not like, normally he's really sassy to Kyo, but kind of, like, in a jokey way. And mm-hmm. this time it seems like it's also implied it's kind of serious. Like, he was really yeah. not having it with this fight today. So after the, Yuki leaves, and then Kyo and Toru talk after the fight, and Toru's like, Kyo, did you bite your tongue? Um, which I also thought was, like, maybe one of those random, like, Toru thoughts where she just says something. I'm like, why would you assume that's so, so yeah. random? <laughs> but yeah, Kyo, Kyo's like, leave me alone. But then he kind of, like, backtracks, like, and, and talks to her. He keeps talking to her, so it's almost like he's already sort of, like, chilling out a bit when he mm-hmm. talks to her, which is nice to see. And he also says that he must seem pathetic because he's always getting beaten by Yuki which is also interesting so he continues cleaning and Toru leaves to go to work so at work um, it's like it's kind of the end of her shift like she's taking off her little bandana thing um, and Toru's thinking about thinking about Yuki and that he's kind of sensitive about what other people think of him and on cue of course he arrives so all the co-workers are like oh look at that beautiful like boy who's outside <laughs> uh, or, or whatever and so they walk home together and while they're walking home, Toru asks him if there's anything on his mind. She says that she's a good listener, but this like drunk guy who's maybe probably a salaryman <laughs> pushes yeah. uh, uh, pushes Yuki or pushes Toru into Yuki, which of course causes him to transform. So it puts him in kind of this vulnerable position where he's a rat on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but she Toru picks up his clothes or whatever, and they continue walking. Um, Yuki tells her about. Uh, sorry, were you going to say something? I love that. Like, you, you're just walking beside her. Like, I know. <laughs> how slow does Toru have to walk to like, pace with her? <laughs> and he walks on his little two feet, like, not on yeah. four feet. Like, Kyo and Shigure, when they're, like, when they're dogs and cats, like, when they're in their animal form, they they act like a regular dog and a cat. Like, they don't walk on their mm-hmm. back legs. But Yuki is a rat that's, like, almost always on his back legs, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that until you just said that. <laughs> yeah. Rats yeah. do have better use of their four legs than dogs and cats do but <laughs> <laughs> they do do that but i mean i don't i don't think you've ever seen a rat like walk completely Not like walk like that, but i mean if, <laughs> if one of them if one of the three was going to stand i would expect it to be a rat <laughs> <laughs> yes that's probably right it's probably true but yeah while they're walking he he does tell her about some things that he's are on his mind so while he was living in the main house so i think this is our first mention of the main house which is where 
the majority of the Soma family lives. He said he felt like he was in a cage, always under the watchful eye of the family, but he wanted to get out of there and get out of that feeling, so he applied to a co-ed school and he moved in with Shigure. Um, but he still feels like he can't associate with normal people. And like he doesn't mean to to turn them away, but he cuts people off because he's afraid of getting hurt because of the curse. And then he compares himself to Kyo, who he thinks might be shy, but you know thinks that he'll be able to ha- interact with others and have a normal life. And that's why he gets annoyed when Kyo says that he wants to be part of the Zodiac. And he's kind of like, well, so what does that make me? Like, I want to run away from it, but I can't interact with people. And Toru says that Yuki does have the power to attract people. He says that he's just being nice to people so that they'll like him and that he's being selfish. And then, of course, it starts to rain and they get interrupted and then he transforms back. So they have this really nice discussion and Yuki is comparing himself to Kyo. Um, I think I actually want to touch on that later. Mm-hmm. So they arrive at home, um, but Yuki quickly heads out again. He kind of like pushes Shigure out of the way. <laughs> like Shigure is like, oh, it's the last the last like cry of summer <laughs> and Yuki pushes him out of the way and continues out of the <laughs> house as if he has somewhere that he really needs to be and Toru follows him and he's like it's dangerous like what are you doing and then she reminds him that he she lived in a tent in this kind of <laughs> madness and he's like it's a wonder you ever survived <laughs> you even <Yeah>. survived <laughs> so we were just talking about that it's like Yuki thinks that too mm-hmm. um so while they're walking they come up to a vegetable garden which Yuki reveals is his secret base so this is what he meant when he was talking about a secret base um, and Toru offers to help protect it from the bad weather. They bring, Yuki has brought like a tarp to cover the vegetable garden. And it seems like they're trying to like, he's trying to pin it down or whatever to keep it from getting damaged by the rain and the wind. Um, and while they're doing this, Yuki says that Toru is kind and she kind of freaks out. And she's like, this is the first time that anyone's ever told me that. And when I read that, I was like, but that can't be true. She's so nice <laughs> to all the time. So maybe it is. And if that's true, then that's mm-hmm. it's interesting. And she's like, how, how do I how do I know that I'm not just like acting kind so people think I'm a good person? Like she's <laughs> referring to what Yuki <laughs> said. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's genuine. <laughs> I also looked this up in the Japanese edition and the word that he uses is not necessarily, I don't know like how you translate it, but it looks like when you look it up, it's like natural. Like he says it, maybe it comes naturally to her. Just an interesting. They kind of use that like reference a different series in Oran. They call her, he's like the natural type. Yeah, because her, her like way of interacting with people is just like unrehearsed and genuine and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe yeah. it's kind of the connotation <laughs> of that word. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't write down what the word is exactly, but maybe I, I feel like either way, it like it. It's he's just saying it's just part of her character. He thinks it's part yeah. of her character. So we also get this first time. I feel like there's a so one thing that you talked about aptly pointed out aptly that Toru has this habit of doing is um like having these kind of internal thoughts and then having something that she says that's related to that that nobody else was privy to Mm -hmm. there's another thing that Toru does a lot in the series it just has this kind of like wisdom drop so this is like Mm -hmm. the first (laughs) wisdom drop that I feel like we have actually from her which is she starts talking about what her mother told her so her mother told her that it's better we have this cut scene actually I think she starts off with her mother is telling her that it's better to trust people than to doubt them that people aren't born naturally with kindness or with kind hearts and that they have selfish selfish instincts. But kindness is something that grows individually and kindness is different in everyone. She has this flashback uh, that's her as a child talking to her mother at what looks like a grave. They're both wearing, um, and they're both wearing like kind of dark formal clothing. So it's interesting that that's the context in which they're having this talk. Um, 
and she says her mother says it's easy to misunderstand when people are trying to be kind to you because their kindness is different for everyone Um, and her mother taught her that people's differences are something to celebrate she says that she imagines people's kindness as different shapes and that Yuki's is like a candle which I think is really cute like it's Mm -hmm. interesting and I think it's an apt it's an apt description from Toru of Yuki based on like what he does and she's kind of like am I being weird and like backtracks a little bit and he's like no it's totally fine but yeah she says his his kindness is like a candle like she can feel it light up which is interesting it's cute it's an interesting description Um, I don't disagree with that (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um, Yuki says that he feels pathetic for whining to Toru um, and that and then Toru says that he's really happy uh, she's really happy that he opened up to her and she's like when you tell me about myself yourself I feel like we can really be friends and so they have this exchange where oh and then the, the tarp kind of like blows away or it almost blows away and Toru catches it again and so they they manage to tie the tarp down we go back in the flashback where um they're at the Toru's at the grave with her mother and she says her mother says that Tora's mother encourages her to believe in people and that doubting people is easy um, and that that will be that should be Tora's strength so it's kind of the end of that little flashback scene that's happening while she's talking to Yuki this interspersed mm-hmm. while she's talking to Yuki after the storm I think uh, Tora's excited they protected the garden and Yuki's like uh, uh, like I don't know if it was worth it <laughs> <laughs> um, but she asks if anything's ready and Yuki says maybe the leaks um, and she starts contemplating things to make with leaks and Yuki says at the end of this discussion that he'll join in Daihinmin next time um, and he says you were all having fun I felt a bit ashamed I just wanted to, I want to be able to get along well with others and Toru encourages him and she's like oh and Hana are great and I'm proud to have them as friends um, and she thinks that Yuki would be really good at the game and that her friends would love a challenge and Yuki smiles and it's the most adorable smile mm-hmm. maybe in the whole series <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just it's like the inverse of his like really creepy. I never said I was going alone <laughs> scene in the in the first chapter. Um, yeah. It's really great, and she actually Toru actually comments on it. Like I wrote that note, and then I went back to reading it, and Toru says um, she feels like she's finally seeing his true smile, and that if he could smile like that at school, it would be great. So it's as if he could if he could act naturally like that in person, that that would be great. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this, we cut to this horrified <laughs> face of Kyo looking at the um, the food that Toru made, which is subtitled "Leeks and Liver." And I looked at that, I looked at the dish and I was like, that doesn't look like leeks. So I did look it up and it's it's actually Chinese chive. It's just, um, it's like they translated the word for Chinese chive into leeks, which is like, whatever, it doesn't really matter that much. But I thought it was interesting. It's actually called mita, which is a, a different vegetable. <laughs> In case you were curious, I don't know. I was curious. I also kind of Googled it to see if it's like a common dish. Cause I'm like, why would you just group like leeks and chicken liver together or like liver together? And it turns out. Yeah. I didn't find like a good source, but I did find like an NHK recipe that was for this, like for something with Chinese chive and, and chicken liver. So maybe it's like a common dish. I don't know. But Yuki, or not, Kyo also says that he hates onions and miso in addition to leeks slash Chinese chive. Um, and then Yuki, he's complaining loudly and Yuki forces him to eat it. <laughs> and Toru <laughs> wonders if hostility is the only thing that they share, which I think is a really funny line. Um, and she imagines this alternate universe where they're like apologizing for misunderstanding each other. And they're like, let's be friends from now on. And then she's like, maybe that's not the best. <laughs> yeah. uh, her thoughts are interrupted by the doorbell. Um, and she goes to answer the door, but it seems like no one's there. But after she, she's just about to turn to go back inside and from behind the fence, a shy young woman with dark hair appears and calls out to Toru 
Um, she introduces herself as Kagura Soma. And she asks if Kyo is there. And that's the end of the fourth chapter. Dun, Yay! Dun-dun-dun! Yeah, we are introduced <laughs> to Kagura. So we'll get into her next time. So that's what happened in chapters three and four. <laughs> Which was a lot of stuff. I think it was nice. We got to see... We got to see Toru and Yuki and Kyo develop their relationships with with each other a bit, mm-hmm. which is nice. I feel like Shigure hasn't, we still haven't, he's like being their pseudo parent and that's kind of like all he's doing right now in the story. Mm-hmm. So, so far we've been introduced to uh, Toru, Yuki and Kyo, Shigure, Hana, and Uo as kind of like main characters throughout all of this, through these couple of chapters. And we get a little bit mm-hmm. about Hana and Uo and we get almost nothing about Shigure. Like, he's, he's clearly living there. He took Kyo to school. Like, he's kind of being their, like, adult. Yeah, he's Which, just there. not like, where are these children's parents? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who's making sure <laughs> you that You do that when you, like, go back and look at stuff you, like, read or watched when you were a kid. And you're like, where are the parents? What are these children doing? Who's <laughs> watching them? I know. Actually, I don't <laughs> think about it that much because, like, I remember when we were reading Harry Potter the first time, my mom was like, yeah, children's stories are always, there's, like, kids that are, they're alone and, like, that's how they are. Yeah, a lot of times there's like a plot point, like, oh, they're orphans or whatever. But sometimes yeah. kids are just like randomly like, it's like, do they live in this house alone? Where are their parents? <laughs> yes, I feel like there's always like an explanation, but sometimes like, no. <laughs> or they're just like constantly alone all the time. I mean, even in, in like Harry Potter, they're at school, but like 90% of the time they're alone. So <laughs> they're technically supervised in, as far as they're at a boarding school. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say they're technically supervised by prefects or whatever. There's a slightly older child there. Who's there to make okay. sure you don't do anything stupid? Anyway, this is a podcast about Fruits Basket, not, <laughs> not about Harry Potter. <laughs> um, podcast about unsupervised children. Yeah, it's definitely a podcast about unsupervised children. That is a hundred percent true. There's so many shows you could do that you could you could call it a podcast about unsupervised children. <laughs> the unsupervised children podcast <laughs> starts with like the boxcar children. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So here are the things that I wanted to. Here's like let's start with some of the like overall topics that i noticed and chime in if you notice them too i guess so first of all there was no like i said there was no extra damage to shigure's house this time so our damage counter did not go up which i thought was going to happen but it didn't so we'll see it will it will it still will (laughs) also i i added a new counter which was for fights broken up by hugging which is two (laughs) (laughs) so i think but i think that's also going to go up too which is why i added it (laughs) and then we also got speaking of fights we got some background about why yuki and Kyo fight so kind of like the main crux of the reason why they fight is established like I think in the first two chapters we maybe as an audience assume that they fight because they're like the cat and the rat like it's just Mm. that's how it is but we also get this motivation that Kyo says he wants to beat Yuki so he can join the the zodiac like he can be part of the the family right Mm -hmm. yeah which explains why they call them an outcast in the first chapter and you also get a little bit more on their like interpersonal motivations beyond the outside thing because it's like the things they want are like completely opposite of each other. Mm-hmm. So part of it is just them like not understanding each other mm-hmm. on a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Yuki wants to he wants to grow and get out of this situation that he's in and doesn't fundamentally understand that Kyo why Kyo wants to be a part of mm-hmm. that. So that's so that is established. Another thing that I noticed is that they eat together a lot. So I remember a long, long time ago, I read this book called How to Read Literature Like a Professor. And the author of that, the one thing that I remember from that book, which had a bunch of like, 
it had a bunch of like here's some themes there's two things that i remember but here mm-hmm. it had a bunch of kind of like themes from literature and what they could how you could interpret them like it's kind of it's almost like this really high level guidebook to looking at literature and one of the things the author posits is that eating together there's a whole section about eating together and that, that because it's so intimate and kind of ritualistic sharing a meal with people you can it authors tend to use that to demonstrate relationships and development and sometimes like in the event of something like a failed meal or something that gets interrupted, it it portends bad events to come, right? It kind of foreshadows <laughs> bad things to come. And so if we look at the way that they share meals together, at the beginning of chapter three, Kyo refuses to eat with them. And then by the end of chapter three, the last scene is them eating together. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like it's an interesting little arc, mini arc within the series where he he won't, he's like actively avoiding creating relationships with any of the three kind of main character or like with Shigure and Kyo or Shigure, Yuki and Toru. And then at the end, he's finally kind of warming up to them and like getting more comfortable being around them. And it's still like mm-hmm. awkward. It's still a little bit awkward. Like they have this little funny exchange where uh, their dialogue is kind of misinter- mistimed and misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. Um, but he's there at least. So he's starting, mm-hmm. their relationship is getting closer and it's demonstrated by them eating together. Also, at the end of the chapter, uh, the end of chapter four, they're eating together again, and they're interrupted when Kagura shows up. So mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting. That's like I think that's going to come up a lot. Like I feel like I remember a lot of scenes where they're eating together and stuff happens. Um, yeah, probably I feel like there's a lot of eating in the series. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's just because it's kind of like slice of lifey, yeah. and you eat together, eat a lot with people, <laughs> and like when you when you live together, you eat with them, like typically, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like Tori's cooking for them, so that's it's like that delivering on that storyline of her working for them or doing things for them, and sometimes that gets disrupted for a variety of reasons. So like, so yeah, I don't know. It's just something interesting that I noticed. I think in this case, like Takaya's demonstrating that they're getting closer, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Slash like using it as a device to create an interruption at the end of the chapter. Which is going to, maybe it's foreshadowing for the next chapter. Anyway, um, so yeah, now, okay, here's the part of my notes where we talk about Dai Hinman. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> so, so we did talk about it briefly, like a couple minutes ago, um, we were going, when I was going through the summary of the chapter, but so Dai Hinman, it's, it's a game, it's a card game. Uh, sometimes it's also called Dai Fugo, which is the, um, it's the opposite. So like Dai Hinman is the poor man. Dai Fugo means, like rich man or like extremely rich man um i usually see it get translated as rich man poor man yeah i've noticed it comes that up too. in different series because i've seen it in at least one other series you mentioned oron i think yeah yeah they play it in oron oh yeah that was i when i looked up the um kill you wins and hard <laughs> <laughs> i thought i thought it said so i was gonna say i looked this up on wikipedia and i'm pretty sure it said tamaki loses but he also loses, but I think Haruhi loses the worst. <laughs> okay. I know there's the whole thing where Kyoya has, like, both of them being his little, like, lackeys for that chapter yeah. because they lost to him. Yeah, so one of the things that's interesting <laughs> that I read, which is a good segue, is that um, there's... And this also happens in Fruits Basket, where Kyo, mm-hmm. Kyo is a loser, so he has to clean. That was, like, the deal that they made. So, like, I guess a part of the game is this, like, social consequences. So the, the rules of the game are that you, you get dealt cards and you have to play um you pick like a dealer at first because everybody's kind of the same rank you have to play to get rid of all your cards first and the the winner is the person who gets rid of all their cards first the loser is the person who isn't able to get rid of all their cards i guess and like 
you can play um it's described as tricks so like you can play groups of cards you can play like a single card and then everybody else has to play a single card if you play two cards and everybody has to play like a the same value or higher it's it's like this whole i don't know listen we talked about this earlier i don't know exactly what the rules are but the the interesting thing is that you every round your placement like your your rank might change so you if you're playing also if you're playing by the traditional rules or like i guess the japanese rules like there because there's another apparently precedence is a similar game like often people talk about them being similar which is another game where you get rid of cards and you're ranked in Daihinmin or Daifugo, you you also, at the end of each round, you might stand up and reposition yourself at the table in rank order. So there's also like a physical consequence to this game. And then in some cases, like there are social consequences, like the loser has to do something. So for example, like Kyo has to clean, uh, Tamaki and Haruhi have to, in, in Oran, they have to do something for Kyo, yeah, you said. Mm-hmm. So apparently that's like not, it's not unheard of. That's like a common thing to happen. Sometimes, like I think it said on Wikipedia that people, the, like the, the poor man might have to go get drinks for the rich man or something. Like, seems like they kind of like make the wager ahead of time. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) For sure in the anime they do. In the things that we've looked at, (laughs) these two examples, then they do. (laughs) So I think this is interesting. And it's going to come up again. I think they play again later. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. The, I was gonna say when, but I guess it's technically a spoiler. Yeah, that's okay. Well, <laughs> later. They definitely play later. Um, also, like, I'm not sure. I think there might be some. Maybe this implies some deeper symbolism. I'm not sure exactly what it might be. Here are the things that I think that it might be, which is <laughs> that it seems maybe it's set used to kind of like emphasize Kyo's status. So in this first round, he's in the first time we see this, he's the loser. He, he keeps talking about how he keeps getting beaten over and over again. Like, even at this card game, he can't win. Even against Yuki, he can never win, right? So I don't know if this just is just emphasizing that. That's one thing. Yuki also says that he joins in, which then also is just, it's delivering on him establishing his, his like, desire to be more social. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I this, think it yeah. <laughs> has a role just as being a fairly social card game, because not all card games have that kind of... <laughs> yeah, it's the interaction not... <laughs> between all the people, but like it's he's like you can see Kyo kind of immediately becomes the little part of the group. He's mm-hmm. interacting really naturally with Uo and Hana, yeah, and Toru when he starts playing the game, and Yuki's staying on the outside there, but then says he'll join him next time. Mm-hmm. So. It's true. Like games are in in real <laughs> life, games are good for that because like everybody yeah. icebreakers, yeah, icebreakers. <laughs> you don't <laughs> also like just like random. Like one time we went to like a like anime convention and they had a games room and we just like played games with random people and it was fun mm. it's like you because you have something to use as a tool to like communicate but it's like no stakes because everybody's everybody recognize like kind of agrees that it's just a game right mm. so it's like well yeah like you like we're gonna we're gonna bet to get kyo in this and then like he if he loses he has to do the thing like <laughs> it's just and then they get involved and he's fine and he he's he's not like the last time he was at school, he ran away, right? This is the second yeah. day. <laughs> so they're like, oh, if we get him involved in this, then he he becomes part of the group, like you were saying. Yeah, and it's not even just, like, Toru's little friend group, because there's, like, other people watching the game who yeah. are, like, teasing him in a friendly way <laughs> yeah. afterward. His two friends, you pointed them out. His two friends. <laughs> I wonder if they have names. <laughs> I think there's an author's note about that way, way later. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm having flashback. Anyway, we should look. <laughs> we should <laughs> Having deja vu. I'll try to pay attention for that. I'm pretty sure it's like way, way, way late. There's like a there's part where she goes through a series of all these like different characters that aren't mentioned as much. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, 
So we also have Yuki's garden as something that came up. Mm-hmm. I think that like the whole scene, the scene with between Toru and Yuki at the vegetable garden is really interesting because they have this like deeper conversation about some of Yuki's personal motivations and we get that sort of like the wisdom drop as I called it. <laughs> so there's a lot coming on there. I think like maybe the garden, I think this could serve a couple of things. Like on the surface, it just kind of demonstrates his character, like a part of his character that we haven't seen before. Like he... He's depicted as someone who pushes people away. He's not interested in, and he reveals that his reason for that is because he's scared, but he's not interested in develop relationships, developing relationships with people. But this, the garden is interesting because it's kind of like, you have to be very devoted to and nurturing to get to have a nice garden. So I think mm-hmm. it just demonstrates something about his character that we haven't gotten yet. It's like an, another side of him. And he also I, keeps it a secret. Uh, yeah. I think um, just throughout all kinds of media, I feel like, a character who seems kind of standoffish and not close to people, a lot of times they'll show them caring for a plant or an animal to show that they have a softer side and they like do care about things. I feel like I see that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. And I think in this case, it's it clearly demonstrates almost like the thing that Toru says, like his kindness lights up. Like he, he can devote he can devote himself to things, but he just can't devote himself to other people at this point in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't show that. He can't be vulnerable around other people. And then I think also maybe it could be like a deeper metaphor. Like he does want to grow those relationships. I think like when you have, sometimes when you have like imagery of garden or whatever, it's it's a something where you're plant, like you're, you're starting things, right? Yeah. This is the beginning of his growth as a character, perhaps. Yeah. And a lot of times the, the plant the person is caring for becomes like a symbol for them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of the movie Leon right now, which is a really out there comparison, but... <laughs> They show the character Leon with the plant, and then toward the end of it, the plant is directly like a symbol for that character. Interesting. He, I don't know I if you've seen that movie. But... I haven't. That's okay. <laughs> I was just going to let you go with it's it. It's not very relevant to Fruits Basket. <laughs> That's okay. It's a kind of plant metaphor that I see a lot, and I think... it's just the one that popped in my head. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I can think of like another sort of a plant metaphor from a show that we both know, which would be like Pushing Daisies. Yeah. Like he can bring things back. Uh, the main mm-hmm. character is able to bring bring dead things back to life. So he uses that power yeah. to bring like fruits back to life, basically, to for his pie shop. Yeah. <laughs> and he also has that kind of like he's very quiet. Caring for his dog is kind of shown as mm-hmm. he's kind of weird with people, but they mm-hmm. show him caring with the dog, and I think the dog yeah. is sometimes kind of a metaphor for him too. For like sure. Digby. Yes, Digby. It's because also because of his superpower. Like he doesn't. Yeah. He's like weird and different, and so he keeps that mm-hmm. hidden away. Like it's very. Yeah. It's not. It's not dissimilar to Yuki. Actually, it's pretty good. I'm proud of myself. That's all I have to say. <laughs> to pull back another series from like the early 2000s into this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's and it's like it's it's you know things growing is also a sign of change, so or like a symbol of change. So I think we're just getting that yeah. beginning now. Yeah, and he makes his uh, announcement that he'll join in on the card game next mm-hmm. time while he's tending his garden so yep exactly i think that's all good evidence for that (laughs) as a metaphor the other interesting thing is toru's mother's advice so it's also from the same scene where they're tending the trying to take care of the garden Mm -hmm. um and the i i think that i sometimes i was thinking about it after i read it and i think that toru's mother like toru's mother's advice is off it'll come up again and i think it might be it's kind of like the it's almost like the author's voice it's like this layer of um, of things that you might like that you should be interpret. It's that you're meant to interpret from some of this. So like Tor- Tor's mother says that you should accept the differences of others, 
um, and acknowledge they may be different from you. And I think that this is starting to build on this overall theme. Like many of the characters here are like diff, they're like others. They're different from normal people. They position themselves that way. Like Yuki says that. The girl says that about him. They call Kyo an outcast. They all have these like multiple of them have superpowers, <laughs> basically, right? <laughs> Toru's friend, like Toru's friends, are a little bit. They're they're they seem to be sort of like separated from the other people in their class a little bit. So this is kind of building on this overall, like one of the overall themes that people are different and that you need to, it's okay to acknowledge that and accept them for who they are. And that being someone who can accept how other people, like other people's differences is important and valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a strong theme for the whole series. For sure. Along with the, um, specifically like everyone's kindness is different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's let's make a note of this and talk about it again mm-hmm. later because I think I think we'll be <laughs> this the thing the things that we're positing here will mm-hmm. be a little bit clearer with some of the other like we'll get more I think we get Toru's mother's advice again later mm-hmm. so we'll see how that if we can build on that theory I'm just yeah. positing this as like a theory right now that that specific type of of content in this relates to the themes overall in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was everything that I wanted to discuss about these two chapters overall. Is there anything else that you noticed? I think that's the big things I noticed. Okay, sweet. Um, yeah. That weren't spoilery. I have other yeah. things to say that are spoilery. So, mm-hmm. okay, sweet. In that case, if you want to stick around, uh, we're going to talk spoilers after some music. Also, thank you all for listening. Um, it's a It's a pleasure to talk about this series that I enjoy so much. And um, so if you stick around, we're going to talk some spoilers. Next episode, we're going to discuss chapters five and six. So we're getting to the end of volume one. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be the end of volume one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, and you can also find us, uh, if you enjoyed this, you can um, rate and review and subscribe on the podcasting of your choice. Um, you can find us at staytogetherpodcast.com stay together podcast on tumblr and you can also email us directly at staytogetherpodcast.gmail.com and you should tell all your chums <laughs> and all the people that you meet at the bar about this <laughs> podcast and share it around tell your mortal enemy yeah you can tell your mortal enemies too <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it we'll see you next time <laughs> bye bye back to discuss spoilers are you ready to discuss spoilers <laughs> so ready to discuss spoilers i'm always i'm more ready i feel like i'm more ready to discuss spoilers than like regular stuff sometimes i'm about yeah. to say something and i'm like oh i have to stop talking mm-hmm. now yeah. multiple yeah. times or then i cut it out like i cut a couple spoilers out of the first one <laughs> first episode that i didn't <laughs> think were that spoilery when i said it and then i listened to it and i was like you gotta not talk about that <laughs> um okay here are my spoilers so in chapter three, Toru says that um, she thinks that Kyo hates her. Like, there's this kind of, it gets subverted at the end, but that's something that is on her mind a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting, maybe she's picking up on something, like maybe he's acting out because of this still having that guilt around the accident. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wondered about that a lot. He, like, he kind of, he, like, he's frustrated about a lot of things, but he really yells at her for no reason a lot. Yeah, so yeah I, I do think the, uh, the, like I can't even stand to look at you. Yeah, thing is an interesting way to. <laughs> yeah, 
so mean for no reason. Like, yeah. she's just out there trying to be like, guys, don't fight. And then he's mm-hmm. like, I can't even stand to look at you. It's like, yeah, that's like beyond being mad, just being mad about something. And like, he won't, he refuses to eat with them. Like, he refuses to spend time with her, basically. And then eventually he starts to come around. Like, Shigure is like, you need to chill. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know if that's why. Like, she's definitely picking up on something more than just like what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that she leaves, like she, he yells at her so strongly that she reacts and leaves, I think is like really intense. Cause Tora doesn't normally like things, things don't often phase her. Like they do sometimes, some things do, mm-hmm. but like he's yelled at her before. He's like raised his voice at her before. So there's yeah. something about what he says that like really causes her to feel guilty. Maybe it's just like, or like not guilty, causes her to feel bad about it like maybe Mm -hmm. it's because it's been building up or maybe just like the way that he said that specifically but yeah i don't know i wonder if this is also just like a manifestation of that guilt um it starts to change a little bit yeah i don't know that was something i noticed i picked up on this time as i'm i'm trying to pay attention to like some of the the way that he acts specifically related to toru because they were at the accident because he was at the accident Mm -hmm. and that was something that i noticed Shigure references training in the woods again, so they talked about it last time a little bit. Um, and it sounds like the way that he says it, Kyo told him that he was training in the woods so that he could beat Yuki. But of course that we know that he, like, like if you've read through the series, then we know that he ran off to the woods because he, like, couldn't deal after the accident. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting that's like, he's also created this story around that. It's mm-hmm. like he told, so Shigure doesn't know anything otherwise, or Shigure told them that, like, he's corroborating that story. It's, I don't, like, I don't know, I seriously doubt Kyo would have told Shigure that that was yeah, the case. So. so whatever, he's telling everybody that, um, which is interesting. Another thing that I noticed is that when talking, so when Yuki and, and is talking to Toru about Kyo making friends at school, Yuki is like, oh, Kyo would have a normal life. Like, I think that, I think that if he was fine, he would, if he wasn't cursed, he'd have a normal life or something. He says something like Mm -hmm. having, specifically about him having a normal life as opposed to him, you know, being so like cut off. But then I'm like, maybe he doesn't know about the cat's room. Like, does he not know about that? I think they do. I think they just kind of pretend it's not a thing. Yeah, that's true. Because I think there's a whole thing, like way later on, there's a bit where Momiji says something about like how they all just kind of accept that that's the cat's lot in life and not think about it and he's going to stop doing that from now on mm-hmm. yeah they I think certainly... they know i think they know they just kind of like they suppress kind of it shut their eyes shut their eyes to it it's like oh, it's just it's just how it works it's just yeah. a thing <laughs> yeah they are um they're complacent about it mm-hmm. yeah and they try they kind of it's like they know about it and they ignore it yeah, but I yeah they, i think the exact words momiji winds up using is he says like i'm gonna stop giving up on the cat yeah it's kind of interesting that Yuki, maybe Yuki hasn't given up on the cat. I don't mm-hmm. know. Because he's like, he doesn't understand why Kyo wants to be part of the family. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's like what think, he means. Yeah. There's some, I think, like, I think they do kind of, not necessarily care about each other, but have some kind of understanding of each other and concern mm-hmm. for each other. Like, they know they're going through shit. Because there's, like, one of the parts in this chapter when Shigeru is talking about, like, Kyo's, like, motivations for something or whatever and you can just kind of like she's saying goes like that idiot and it's kind of the way you might do where like when you find out your friend is doing something stupid yeah for some stupid reason you know yeah for sure <laughs> it's not like they like that's maybe positioned to say hate each other but like it's i think their relationship is more complicated than that yeah it's, like you get the first little bits of the 
complicated relationship here, but you get a lot of that in the series later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, I think, way, way later. But, like, uh, yeah. I just thought it was interesting that Yuki said that. Yeah. Maybe he is just kind of, like, not thinking about the cat's room, or maybe he's thinking, like, if he wasn't in that situation at all, he would be, yeah. his personality is more like he would yeah, be. Yeah, I think in that yeah. particular line, he's thinking, like, if both of us were to suddenly not be cursed tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. Kale would be fine and I would be fucked. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, like, nobody would want to, people still wouldn't want to be friends with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like he's just, he's better than me. Yeah. So we actually start to develop this, like, envious relationship they have of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, Yuki... Yuki is envious of Kyo's personality, and Kyo is envious of Yuki's position in the family. So yeah. we just get that dichotomy is kicked off now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that comes up with uh, Yuki as part of his development later on when he's like starting to befriend uh, Kakeru. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a point where he gets mad and kind of snaps at Kakeru, and he realizes that part of the reason he's mad is that he's reminded him of Kyo because of how <laughs> easily he gets along with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're definitely right about that. Yeah, yes. it's like a whole thing where... There's definitely a, they're driven by, like, they want opposite things and they want what the other already has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So they can't understand why the other one is so, isn't happy with what they have. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Yuki also says, um, Yuki also says that he's just being nice to people so they like him in that one part, but I don't really buy that. Like, I mm-hmm. think he is nice. I think Toru's description of him is more apt, where she's like, You're, you are kind, and people like you. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't see that himself. This is just setting up his kind of, like, his, um, I can't think of the word, uh, like, insecurity about yeah. himself. Um, because, mm-hmm. and it's, like, it's based on all of the abuse from Akito, right? It's all, like, insecurity yeah. that was all fed. So he's still... Yeah, Akito and his family both, like, mm-hmm. his family even, like, call him selfish for not wanting to... Like be to live like in the main be house. Be abused by Akito basically yeah. when he's a kid. They might, yeah. His mother. Like that's he, completely something I would believe. Like specifically, call him selfish. So I think he's got this idea that he's just like he's you selfish. know a terrible selfish person. Mm-hmm. Anything he does is for terrible reasons. Mm-hmm. And so we start Toru starting to subvert that a little bit. She's like, I think you're kind. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think um, and that all also comes from the the garden scene. I still think it's crazy that. Um, this can't be the first time that someone called Toru kind. Mm-hmm. Unless her, like, her friends, maybe they kind of play their feelings really close to the vest. Like, I'm just trying to think about the later chapters when she we get, like, her backstory with her friends. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just don't really call say yeah, that think, specifically. Um, I think, a, like, a lot of the people Toru's interacted with kind of, not her friends but necessarily, but, like, family and other people that she's interacted with kind of take her for granted they're very dismissive of her kindness and stuff and Mm -hmm. so it's possible like no one's ever really thought that way and then when she did make friends with hana and uo they were both in pretty bad places Mm -hmm. so it's possible that they weren't really gonna be like oh you're so kind directly to her (laughs) i love you so much yeah they they you're right you're right they probably don't aren't capable of expressing how they feel about her at that point yeah and then now they're all just friends so it doesn't need to be stated no at least that's how they would probably think probably Mm-hmm. Well, it's not like you walk around being like, you're so kind all the time yeah. to, like, your friends. Yeah, like you, you know. Ellen, you're so kind. Oh, thank you. You're so kind, too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who's, like, uh, another friend who's, like, super, super kind, just is super nice all the time. And I'm always, like, stopping so nice. Like, it's it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like Tori was kind of like that. Like, a, yeah. like her friends probably just don't say it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's interesting that she's she, like, freaks out when Yuki says that to her. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I describe her doing things as freaking out a lot. Sometimes it's like scared. Sometimes yeah. it's like in this case, she's like, "Wow, wow!" Like, yeah. no one's ever said that to me before. Like, it's 
Like she's amazed. She's amazed that yeah, someone would think that about her. Direct compliments because a lot of times yeah. when I say something, whenever someone says something positive about her, she gets all like blushy and hand flaily. Mm-hmm. And flaily, yes. And then she immediately also tried to dismiss it. Like she was like, maybe I'm just doing it for attention too. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Oh, which is something that I wanted to talk about because it's interesting that she says that. Because later there's the whole um, reveal where she speaks the way that she does because of her, that's how her father spoke. Mm-hmm. Like she's being polite. It's, it's yeah. like you could boil it down to her being polite for attention, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that that's also something she says, like, I don't know if it's it was supposed, intended to be like an allusion to that. Yeah. That aspect of her personality causes her a lot of guilt later though. Yeah. I think it's, so it's dismissed it's right away by Yuki, but there could be some truth to the way that yeah. she thinks about herself. Um, the other thing that I think, so that's, we talked a lot about this like garden scene. I think it's kind of the, it's the most like m- maybe metaphor rich and interaction rich part of these two chapters. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. I skipped a lot. Like there is the part where they're playing Daihin Min, but it's really not like, it's just kind of the consequence of that is what's important because then it causes Yuki and Kyo to fight. But yeah. the scene with Toru and Yuki at the garden, there's a lot going on there. And I also said, in the earlier section that maybe the garden scene is a metaphor for like Yuki starting to develop socially. But I think the fact Mm -hmm. that Toru is there helping him protect it is also like an allusion to this relationship that they have that develops through the series where he sees her like a mother, like he sees her kind of as a protector, Mm -hmm. which is why I want to talk about this in this like spoilery section. And also it's another, it becomes a metaphor again when Ayame is introduced Mm -hmm. because they both go to, the garden and then I always talking about like creating things mm-hmm. as a yeah they have that in common because he's yeah. a designer yeah so it's not the first time that's going to be kind of a metaphor for you he's uh, oh, a lot of his life feelings interactions with other people and things well and also yeah. machi and the fertilizer yeah <laughs> machi asks what he wants and he says he wants fertilizer yeah which is like she takes it literally mm-hmm. it's, it is literal like he means it to be yeah. that's what he wants but what he wants is the the ability to grow and interact with other people, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it does. It's a whole. It's a setup for this continued metaphor of him as a yeah. as a gardener, um, and Toru helping him too and protecting him. Mm-hmm. Like when I when she's helping him protect the thing, I also thought about the time where Akito comes to school and she like pushes Akito away. Yeah. Like she's constantly protecting them, especially Yuki from yeah. Akito. Yeah, and so. it's also interesting how the way Toru helps him with the garden is, like, protecting it, and then mm-hmm. Machi helps him by, like, nurturing it mm-hmm. with the fertilizer. <laughs> so Yeah, it's totally true. Yeah, so you could, you could read some metaphors into that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Yuki says, or no, it's not Yuki. Toru also says in this scene that she feels like she's tra- seeing his true smile, and maybe it would be good if he could do that at school, and I'm hoping that that will come back with the student council, speaking yeah. of Machi. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely think it does. like foreshadowing of that because he's like, so he's just like, I'm going to take this one small step outside of my comfort zone and try and start interacting with people by just saying he's going to join in the card game next time. Mm-hmm. And he went to, you know, the student council is like his yeah. big step outside his comfort zone later on. Where he's yeah. like, this is a thing I'm not comfortable with, but I think I need to do it to become a better person. So. I think so. And he also like when he joins, it's not just joining the student council, but also like the people who are in the student council. It's like way mm-hmm. outside of his comfort zone. Yeah. Like they're all completely crazy. And they have yeah. all these interesting relationships. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like the last yeah. phase of ultimate phase of his growth. <laughs> yeah, because I think yeah, like he wouldn't have been able to tolerate the student council and grow as he did there without the growth from being friends with Toru first. For sure. 
Yeah, I'm excited for that because I remember, like, I wasn't a huge Yuki fan when I first started reading the series. Yeah, me too. But I started to become a big fan of him around the student council arc. And now I'm fond of him even looking back to the older stuff. But I remember that's when I started really liking him as a character. There's, like, a phase. Like, I, I love Yuki as a character. I'm going to preface that, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I'm about to say with this. Um, but, like, there's a phase where he's such a creep. And I remember, like, some people think it's, and I think it's probably, I agree that, like, he's construing his feelings of affection for Toru with like romantic feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking this is around like when they go to the hot spring, when they, it, it's like kind of in the middle of the series, it seems like he's trying to act in a way that's romantic, but then that feeling sort of goes away. Like it, it dies off. I think mm-hmm. he realizes what she, what her relationship is really like Yeah, with him. So, and after that, he starts being less of a creep. Like once around, like, okay the middle of the series i was like okay so once he gets kind of into the student council mm-hmm. that feeling goes away okay. so that behavior and he's not away. trying to be creepy he just no. doesn't know what to do exactly totally and it's so as a as a younger person <laughs> as a more judgmental person yeah. um i was less comfortable with that and now i'm like okay like i see you can see the full arc at the end yeah. and you can see how like if once you've read and you understand his past too like you can see how it's not like he's trying to be a creep it's not yeah, like I in mean, these he's can, trying to be standoffish, you know. Yeah, you know exactly why he acts the way he does totally. at the beginning. And I really admire him as a character for his growth. I think he has mm-hmm. one of the more profound uh, character arcs in the series. Yeah, he's a very rounded, mm-hmm. he's a round character. As opposed to some of them, but in particular him. Very skinny character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he never gets muscles. I think Kyo does. <laughs> Luigi does. Yeah, Luigi does. <laughs> So funny. Oh, so many things are gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till we talk about Momiji speaking German and then he never speaks German again. Yeah, <laughs> I think he uses like one word here and there. Yeah, like, I think he, like always calls refers to his mother as Muti. Yeah, but <laughs> not as much as he does in his first introduction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to translate stuff. I get it. I don't think he does in the first anime. I wonder if he'll change it. Please. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think in that scene he just doesn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he definitely doesn't speak German. I don't remember, actually. I feel like German is a hard language to speak. I feel like especially coming from a language like Japanese. (laughs) If you're a Japanese voice actor. It's been a challenge for the voice actor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wonder if they'll put that into the the new one. I don't know. We'll find out. Very soon. Very soon. Yeah, we will find out very soon. Oh, they finally released, they announced the launch date. It's like Mm -hmm. April 5th. So for us, it'll be April 4th, I guess. Japan yeah. time. I don't know when. I don't know how soon after. Like the. So they yeah, announced. I saw like an announcement. Like something. I don't know. I, I know some places. Some sites will do that. Maybe. Like if you pay, you get it right away. And if you don't, you get it a week later. Or something. I'll, I'll pay. That's fine. <laughs> but also, well, like I tried to look it up the other day, and I don't know. Like I don't. I didn't see how they're releasing it, and like the Funimation like release date wasn't announced. That was the release date that was announced for Japan. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the North American one is yet. But we'll find out. I'm sure we'll find out shortly. Yeah, I mean, we know it's already going to be translated since we're doing the uh, theater. They already record. They already dubbed them, I think. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, On that note, that was everything. That was everything that I wrote that was like spoilery that I want to talk about. Is there anything else that you noticed? Um, Oh, yeah. Another thing in that, like when Shigeru is talking about like training to interact with people. Mm -hmm. And he talks about like how like hurting people and getting hurt by people is how you like learn about yourself and Mm -hmm. other people. And I think that comes up a lot later on with the, especially when you get like flashbacks of different characters, mm-hmm. some of the older characters, like the whole thing about them, like getting hurt or hurting someone and realizing that they hurt someone. And yeah. it's kind of their like awakening for 
kind of developing as a person. Like, I'm especially thinking of Ayame. Oh, I was just thinking that, too. Like, yeah, yeah he... <laughs> oh, uh, like, the girl, I think? I can't remember. Yeah, because there's both, like, him... I think that was a specific thing. There was, like, a girl he rejected really nastily in high school and mm-hmm. was kind of perplexed that she was so hurt by it. Mm-hmm. And that, like, stuck in his head. And then, like, later on when... He was, like, afraid of being rejected by Mine. He realized, like, exactly how much that hurt. And mm-hmm. it also led to him kind of realizing how much he hurt Yuki mm-hmm. in the past and stuff. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like the whole, like, hurting people and getting hurt by people is part of the, like, normal human experience is mm-hmm. something a lot of the characters have to learn. Yes. It's also, it's, yeah, it's how you learn to be a good person, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. And they've they've been so secluded because of the family's lifestyle yeah. that they like their main main source of learning is like uh the younger characters like toru is kind of their a person that they interact with who they hurt um and then she and she's always very like kind and understanding and that they need to learn that and how to act around other people and then for mm-hmm. the older ones like yeah you're right you get these flashbacks like yame with the girl in school and mine and then you know hotori and kana and mayuko actually really maybe more mm-hmm. so than kana and like and I think, whatever uh... kareno and akito maybe yeah I think some of the ones that are a little more <laughs> developed to start with, like Momiji and mm-hmm. like maybe Kisa, like they've already been hurt pretty bad by outside events. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so they've already maybe gotten a jump start on there. Because like, you know, like Yuki and Kyo have been hurt, but mostly by internal family stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even like, yeah, like Kisa and the bullying and whatever. Yeah. She gets, mm-hmm. we kind of get her in like the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> turning point. Like she she learns from that and then she also learns to overcome that. Yeah. Um and then that be- she makes it makes her a more like a more empathetic and caring person. Or like her her recovery from that I think makes her a more empathetic and caring yeah. person. And like there's that scene way late in the series where like Kyo kind of like has this like little flash that she's like Toru. Mm-hmm. Um and stuff like that. And and Hero too, I think. Yeah. And I didn't realize uh <laughs> I'd forgotten how early like Kagura is introduced. So. I know. <laughs> The first few volumes are really just like Soma after Soma after Soma. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to meet all the, like, yeah. whatever, 13 or 14 or 15 or 16 or 17 or 18, like, main characters. Yeah. Um, Which is why it seemed so weird, like, reading it the first time that, like, the couple that took a long time to be introduced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're like, bam, bam, bam with the main ones. And it seems, it seems like it takes forever to meet, like, Rin and Kareno. Kareno, yeah, they're kept, <laughs> Kareno especially is kept pretty late. Yeah, I think for you know for plot reasons. Yeah, and Rin too, I guess actually because there's so much around. She's an agent of change, and so that has to be introduced yeah. much later. Yeah, they're both heavily involved in the whole curse-breaking storyline. Mm-hmm. So. Well, then there's Momiji, but then he's introduced right off the bat too. Maybe yeah. like a couple chapters in, or a couple yeah, volumes in. I think he's in the second volume. I think he and Hitori. They both come in at this uh, culture fair. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I think Katori's story gets more focused. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're just, I don't know, we're building it up. We're meeting all the characters next time we're going to talk about Kagura, which is going to be fun. I'm excited to be able to up my Shigeru's housebreaking (laughs) counter. (laughs) That's going to go off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm excited to look at Kagura as a character, too. Yeah. She's another one of those ones that got more development later on in the series. She's not one I ever really thought too much about. Same. I never first time through. I also never really felt um, like too strongly about her one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least until later when she admits to herself the way that she feels about Kyo, like that she kind of pities him. Yeah, but yeah, of course, like she has her motivations too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're that right. doesn't come up until a lot later. So yeah, it's it's going back and looking at her. It's like on the sur- just like everybody in the series, like on the surface they seem like some way, and then they have a lot of other kind of motivations underneath 
and things yeah. that I don't know things that are like in their character like in their when I say character like I mean their you know their their personality character like that are in their yeah. their like core of their personality that are being suppressed or like ch- mm. kind of acted on by something like even Toru you know she's yeah. she's seen as being like super happy-go-lucky and like mm-hmm. and like polite and cheerful and all of that has like these darker motivations too just like yeah. everybody so it's interesting yeah I think all the characters have those like deeper aspects to them but they're it's again some of that some of them suffer from having it introduced later on and so it wasn't in like the original anime mm-hmm. and then more people were still reading the series like we were talking about in the why we want to do this podcast yeah thing. yeah yes thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure so it'll be interesting you're right it'll be cool to track uh kagura like we won't get a lot of that till later but yeah. maybe we can see some of it maybe we'll be able yeah, to comment right. on it in new our... eyes <laughs> yeah maybe, but maybe we'll be able to secretly comment on it in our spoilery section too yeah Anyway, on that note, I think that concludes our spoilery section for this episode. (laughs) Um, So thank you for listening and for sticking through the spoilers um, or the spoilery discussion. Uh, If you you like, if you'd like, you can rate and review and subscribe to this. And also uh, you can find us at staytogetherpodcast.com, staytogetherpodcast on Tumblr, and you can email us directly at staytogetherpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time and we'll talk about chapters five and six. Right. Do the reading. Yes, do everybody everybody do your readings. <laughs> okay. We say that at the end of every episode. <laughs> yeah, we should. Everybody prepare. <laughs> make reading. make your notes. <laughs> All right. There will be a pop quiz. Yes. Alright. Bye for now. <laughs> Bye.